0: Hello and welcome to a very special Friday edition of the Onside Kick Family Hour. I'm your host, Ryan Van Biver, NFL editor around these parts, uh, and with me, as always, the great Stephen White. How you doing today, Stephen?
1: I'm doing fantastic. How about you?
0: I'm not as good. I saw you picked 13 games last week, so... Oh, I did. I, I hadn't even noticed. I think you, yeah, you were on top like last 12? week.
1: Yeah, and you know what? 12, it was the most random week ever, so, like, <laughs> I'm just going to stop thinking about it. That's what I did last week. I was like, man, this, I don't even care, because I, you know, I had, like, a couple bad weeks in a row. But that's how it is, you, you, especially with the way this season is going. I mean, I picked the Jaguars to win last week, and they actually won. So, yeah, that that kind of tells you how this NFL season is
0: going. <laughs> It has been a weird season. It, I, just like I, you know, talking before the show, just trying to figure out like who, like which teams, which, and who's who in this, and and it's just a, it's kind of a weird year for that.
1: Yeah, you know, at this point in the season, we're we're heading in a week seven. It's almost the midpoint of the season. Normally, you kind of know who teams are. Like mm-hmm. last year, the team's kind of surprised us because they were down and then all of a sudden they had this big turnaround but those big turnarounds catch your eye because they're so rare yeah. Normally as a team, if they're good they're good at this point and you know they're good if they're bad they're bad at this point and you know they're bad but there are so many teams especially in the AFC, uh this season where you can't really tell like one week they look pretty good the next week they look terrible and, and there's obviously some key injuries also that's contributed to that. But, yeah, so, you know, I, I feel better now that, that, you know, I got all those picks right last week <laughs> when I didn't put the least bit of thought into it.
0: <laughs> Just, it's all, you're always better off going with the, dart, the old dartboard approach.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Especially this (laughs) season.
0: Well, let's jump in and talk about a couple of these games because a couple of these issues we were talking about because it's like you said, I cannot for the life of me, who is who's the second best team in the AFC right now? It's like I dare you to definitively point to the second best team in the AFC with any confidence. You know what I mean? I just I, I can't do it. You there? Hello? You still
1: here? Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I accidentally hit the mute button. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, I had a great take, too, and I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, the kinda, the consensus everybody will say is that the Patriots are the number one team, far and yeah. away the number one team in the AFC right now, especially after they weathered the storm of uh, – uh Tom Brady being being absent the first four games on suspension and who would have saw that coming <laughs> but now it's like it, it, you look at teams and you're like man this team is really headed places i'll give you a perfect example uh is Oakland Raiders um and hmm. i picked the Oakland Raiders to 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 win that division this this season and but every week like you never know which team they are one team one week they look like they're absolutely the best team in the AFC West and maybe, you know, like I said, the second best team in the AFC overall. And then the next week they go out and get drugged by the Chiefs, who we were almost about to write their obituary the week before yeah. the Chiefs because they look so bad. And, and and maybe it's just just that the Chiefs are getting healthy at the right time. You know, they got Jamal Charles back last week. They're going to get Justin Houston back pretty soon uh, from, from what I, I see from reports. Um, So maybe it's one of those deals. But you got, you know, those are two prime examples of teams where you just don't know from week to week. The Steelers, we thought were rolling for a while. Now they're going to be having to deal uh, with with Ben Roethlisberger's injury, and he's going to be out for a while. I don't think anybody's going to pick a team in the AFC South. To be the second best team, because hey, <laughs> everybody was killing um, Osweiler right the other night, and then he leaves them on a the comeback to yeah. beat the coach. But it's like I don't think anybody's gonna give them credit for that because for the whole game, everybody was calling him a bum. Yeah. So it, it really is hard to say. Look, is it the is it the Buffalo Bills? You know, and and, and like two weeks in the season, they fired their offense coordinator. We all think that they're panicking and they 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 giving up and. You know, Rex Ryan is blaming everybody. Now all of a sudden they won like three games in a row. So maybe it really was Craig Roman. Well, I have no idea what the hell is going on this season.
0: I, I don't either. And, like, even, like, you look at two teams that, like, are just and, – and maybe this is, like, not to oversample, but, like, maybe this is just sort of that any given Sunday thing or maybe they just, like, the Chargers and Dolphins were just so bad that maybe they just finally, like – you know how every now and then you can get a team to pull its shit together for a week like that. Because the Chargers and the Dolphins are two teams that aren't great overall, but like they have talent on those two teams. You know what I mean? But the Dolphins, pretty convincing win against, uh, against the Steelers last week. And then San Diego, after losing all those games in the second half and late like that, they come out there and they put it away against the Broncos and they don't really have to look back at it. After the half last week, so it's uh it's just it's so bizarre what's going on. And then there's the poor Browns, who I think we could probably definitively sort of write off. But
1: <laughs> right, we might not know who's good this year, but we're pretty sure the Browns are not but even them. Every game they're in it to to the end yeah. of the game. They lost by like two points last week, even though it looked like they were going to get blown out for a little while. They ended up losing by two points. So I give them that. I don't want to, you know, just come down too hard on the Browns because one thing I will say is they fight you every week. But, yeah, yeah I mean it, they just aren't winning games. So uh, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is just it, – it, it hurts my head every time because, like, I'm seriously I, – I try to pride myself on being able to evaluate teams from week to week and see, you know, is the team improving yeah, are they on the upswing? Are they kind of look like they're on the downswing? But there's just no way to know um, at this point who is good, especially in the AFC uh, period. The NFC, I think, is a little bit more defined. Uh, their teams are, are separating themselves a little bit better. But in the AFC, man, it's really a head scratcher. And and really, you do you might as well go with the dartboard approach if you're trying to pick <laughs> the second best team on there.
0: Yeah, because it's going to change from week to week. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't think there's any question about it. What's You know, there'll be some weird-ass team in second. I mean, like, right now, this is how weird the AFC is. The second-best team, like, the team, like, if the playoffs started today, which they don't, obviously, but if they did, the number two seed with a first-round bye would be the Houston Texans.
1: Right, and that's what I say, I mean, like... Everybody would laugh in your face if you say the Texans or any other team from the AFC South for that matter is the second-best team in the league. But yeah. right now, that's what the record does say.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, and that's yeah. weird, too, because it's all about that Chiefs game because the Texans beat the Chiefs and the Raiders lost to them. <laughs>
1: imagine <laughs> I mean Seriously, imagine that. <laughs> it's a
0: it's a tough year to be a prognosticator in the NFL business. You know it. Ooh, I, mean, <laughs> seriously.
1: I mean, who would have thought that, like, this Texans-Broncos game that's coming up would actually be a big game this year?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: It really is, but, you know, who would have thought that? I mean, like,
0: one of those who? teams is going to be a – well, I mean, I guess there's the possibility of a tie, but one of those teams is going to be a five-win team on Tuesday morning.
1: With, with, with the driver's seat to being – being that number 2 seed. Yeah. You know, at that point because even when they're both leading their divisions uh sorta of right now, you know, Broncos are, are basically tied um uh, with with the Raiders the 4 and 2, but if they can win that game, then, you know, maybe they jump up in there in first place. Just like the Texans are already in the first place. So yeah. it's just it's a weird year, man. This is just uh, it's so weird. Maybe the only thing that actually does make sense is once again the Patriots are in first place.
0: Yeah, I guess guess we always have that as our rock. Right. (laughs) You just write (laughs) that one down in ink. That's the only
1: one.
0: (laughs) That's the star we can navigate this shit by, man. Uh, You know, speaking of the AFC South, you know what? The AFC North is kind of mostly because of injuries, but it's starting to get kind of uh, some AFC South qualities to it.
1: Man, it is getting ugly over there. And like... Listen, I would have thought the Bengals had a very good chance to, to win their division this year. And They're, they're like, they better be glad that the, the Browns haven't won any games or otherwise we'd be talking about how shitty they are. Mm-hmm. They're 2-4 and right now and can't seem to get right. You know, Yeah. They, they, oh, we, the, the the they were hanging their hat on, oh, we're going to give Montez Burford back and then we'll be right <laughs> back on track. Yeah, well, not so much. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting there at 2-4, but the Ravens ain't much better. I mean, it, uh, no. questionable decisions, uh, questionable play by Joe Flacco. Just, man, that team, and, and both of these teams are talented. That's the thing I think that's driving people crazy, myself included, and I'm sure you as well, Yeah, about this season, that all of these teams have a bunch of talent, but they're just they're making poor decisions, Poor coaching decisions at times, and just generally not playing up to their potential from week to week. Yeah, that thing is so crazy.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, you know, in some, there's a few cases where I think you can maybe the injuries are a factor, but I mean, God, some of it's just you know, I, sometimes that explains it, but sometimes it doesn't either. <laughs> I was actually just looking to see is because I think. Terrell Suggs is hurt, and he's probably out this week. I think he has a torn bicep, hmm. which well, you know, that, that, explains that won't some jump. of the Ravens' defense. But Right, but, he I mean, he had been playing, and,
1: yeah. you know, now that's going to hurt now because Dumerville, I think, is out too. Yeah. Uh, and he had just come off injury, came back and played a little bit, and then he got hurt again. So, yeah, I mean, some of it is definitely injury, and I think Steve Smith – being hurt, uh, I think he hurt like his ankle or something, uh, has been a factor for the Ravens too. But that's not, you know, it, explaining their defense and their secondary uh-huh. getting taught at times. Uh, you know, you give up those big plays uh, against Oakland, they that, that don't really explain that. So, I, I don't know. There has been some injuries around the league, around the AFC, mm-hmm. that definitely have made an impact. But I, I just don't think that you can actually, you know, point to them being being the main driver of this. You look at a team like the Vikings, who are 5-0, and old, mm-hmm. and their offensive line, which, again, was not very good last year, uh-huh. and suffered a whole bunch of injuries. That they, uh, you know, they lost their starting quarterback in the preseason. Adrian Peterson has been hurt, and they still found a way to be undefeated. That's yeah. all I'm saying. So, if you know, it, it's kind of hard <laughs> – for any team to say oh we've had injuries we got a team like the vikings who found a way to overcome it at least so far so yeah, yeah
0: for sure and and again and credit to them maybe this is sort of the unwritten factor in all this but like credit to the vikings coaching staff because like what they're doing is pretty some pretty amazing stuff on all levels like offense defense special teams i mean they're just they're killing it
1: absolutely uh, this is one year. I think if there's anything that we're looking at, uh, this is one year where coaching is kind of being a huge factor. Yeah. Rather than just who's got the Jimmys and Joes. This might be one year where the X's and O's actually take precedent. Yeah. For whatever reason.
0: Yeah. Well, and 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 to be fair, Minnesota certainly does have the Jimmys and Joes on a lot in a lot of respects too. Certainly on defense and special teams. So.
1: Oh, absolutely. But 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 again, all these other things we're talking about—plenty of talent. The Bengals, plenty of talent, plenty of talent. Yeah. AJ King can be a monster, <laughs> yeah. but they're not putting it together.
0: Uh huh. And well, and two, and like even Dallas, who's probably—I mean, going by record alone—is the second best team in the NFC in the NFC right now, and they're, you know. Like I don't think that defense nobody thought that defense was gonna be as good as it has been. And obviously that speaks to, you know, they don't have to play they don't have to be on the field for thirty minutes a game either. But, you know, they're uh they're finding ways to get it done there too. Haas of the week's David Irving's a perfect example of that.
1: He really is. But 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 I'll say this too, you know, the there's still the the problems we thought the Cowboys defense was gonna have, they still are kinda having. They really yeah. don't have you know, some great pass rushers still. Uh, David Irving being able to make all those plays with just, you know, 19 reps in the game was outstanding. But it kind of, bigger than that, it kind of points out that, like you said, they're just finding a way. Whether it's a, a, a backup guy making a bunch of plays or bending it and not breaking in the red zone, whatever it is, they, they found a way to be good enough. Yeah, and they've had some injuries too, and some suspensions. And you know, the Cowboys—people haven't really talked about this—but Tyron Smith, uh, their their outstanding left tackle, has been in and out of the lineup a little bit. They've had some injuries. Uh, Their their left guard, uh, Lyle Collins, has been injured. So, and obviously we know about Romo, which we'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) Um, But they've had some injuries and suspensions too. But here they sit. At five and one, so um, once again, this is just a very weird year because yeah. nothing really makes a lot of sense.
0: No, so let's uh, let's talk about the NFC because I think it's pretty safe to say that you know you kind of have the upper echelon over there is a little more well defined than it is in the AFC. Obviously, you got the Vikings. I think I would definitely you got to definitely I mean I, you, know, you definitely got to put the Seahawks in that category. I mean, they're, they're playing some pretty outstanding football lately, too. And then I guess the Falcons, too. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I know everybody's been, the question everybody's been asking for weeks and weeks, are the Falcons for real? And I think that beating Denver in Denver and then coming two points in a pass interference call, uh, for missed pass interference call from beating the Seahawks in Seattle is uh, is about as real as it gets.
1: Absolutely. And... and- I said last week that if the Falcons beat Seattle, then I would start believing in them. But but I have to say their performance and, and almost winning that game, and really they had every opportunity to shut it down. Like they were getting their asses kicked for, mm-hmm. for the early part of that game. But then after the second half, man, I don't know what happened, maybe some great halftime speech by the head coach or whatever, but they started getting after it, and they just ate and ate and ate away at their lead and all of a sudden, they started making plays. Yeah, and they were doing this in Seattle, which is again kind of a little bit unheard of with that crowd and everything. So uh, I'm I'm starting to believe in that team. Um, the Cowboys, you know, maybe it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but they're they're finding a way to win. Yeah, every week, you know, five and one is five and one. So uh, yeah, those teams are obviously the upper echelon. Now, I will say that, you know, when you get past those four teams, it becomes a little bit more like the AFC. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're not really sure who's going to be in the wild card here. <laughs> uh, you know, even <laughs> your Rams <laughs> with their 79 bullshit is 3-3 three and three right now <laughs> uh, and kind of in second place in the AFC West. So, I mean, the AFC South is just fucking ugly. I mean, the fucking – Panthers are one and five. The Saints and the Bucks are two and three. So yeah, once you get past those four teams, you know it's a little less defined. <laughs> uh, the Eagles were rolling at three and zero. Now they lost two in a row. So uh, you know,
0: yeah, and man, Carson man, Wentz there's... looks like. I mean, all those teams started putting the pressure on Wentz, and then the, then the trouble started. It seems like. Well, he's still not playing
1: poorly. Oh, no, know. no. But but it's that old adage. Yeah, once they start getting that film on you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's when you really find out how good a quarterback in particular is or not. Yeah. Because now, you know, we're seeing, one, what the scheme is calling for, and two, what are you really good at? What do you really like to do? Yeah. And if we can take those things away, can you still function at at a high level. So I don't think that he's playing poorly. It's just that he's not setting the world on fire anymore. Right, right. And so now, you know, unfortunately, their defense all of a sudden isn't setting the world on fire anymore either. Uh, The Redskins just ran it down their damn throat last week. It was was pretty disgusting for me to watch that film as a defensive guy because, man, they just put it on them. They basically just lined up and said, hey, we're going to go. You know, early on in the game, <laughs> Kirk Cousins <laughs> went Kirk Cousins. And he wasn't doing so well. So I guess Jay Gruden was like, shit, we're just going to run the ball until they stop it. And, and that's what they did. Line up and basically went nine on seven for the rest of the game. And the Eagles just couldn't stop it. So yeah. uh, as much as uh, if I was an Eagles fan, I would be concerned that maybe teams have kind of gotten Wentz's number, so to speak, at yeah. this point. I'd also definitely be very concerned about how the defense is playing as well. So, uh, you know, uh, that has kind of allowed Washington to get back in the picture a little bit. But as long as they have Kirk Cousins on the center, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to uh, – no, I don't believe in you. I'm not going to.
0: <laughs> Well, so. you know, I was just going to say, you know, this is the how – this is talking about a freaking weird season. Washington – this could they could win five games in a row this week if they beat the Lions.
1: And the Lions are such a weird team. Yeah. Right? I mean, we talked about Stafford uh before the season and, and whether he was finally gonna break out after like this is like year nine or ten for him. Is he gonna have a breakout season now? But but he's actually playing pretty well. I mean he's yeah. playing outstanding football right now, thanks to Tennessee guy, Jim Bob Cooter, has <laughs> gotten them right, but that, but their secondary is just atrocious. It's just terrible. Um, and so, this is one of those games where uh, they might make Kirk Cousins look like a guy who deserves a franchise tag. <laughs> um, you know, I, I said that about the Lions' secondary um, after the Packers beat them, and and, and Aaron Rodgers threw for all them yards. I told everybody, look, this doesn't mean things are fixed. It yeah. just means that this secondary is terrible. And it turns out everything still isn't fixed in Green Bay. Yeah. Although they did win last night, it, it, you know, that secondary will make any quarterback look pretty good. So, well, I mean,
0: you, Case Keenum had 311 passing yards against that secondary. so
1: <laughs> you got anybody on, you know, facing the, the Lions secondary in fantasy. Start them this week. <laughs> game. And I'm not even a fantasy football type guy. But yeah, so um yeah that's that's gonna be an interesting matchup this week for sure because it should be a week where he gets kind of gets back on track against that Detroit secondary.
0: hmm Yeah. It's, uh, it's, (laughs) I always, I can't talk about Washington without thinking about PFT commenter calling him the KC masterpiece. (laughs) 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 Uh, All right. Let's, Hey, let's go back. I I think we're, we're sort of legally required to talk about the Cowboys quarterback situation because it's going to be interesting. I mean, Like, I know we've talked about even a little bit before, but it just kind of keeps building. And now, like, I think was earlier this week, you had sort of like, you know, Romo, who was supposed to be back, who, um, uh, by week eight, week nine at the latest, was uh, looking back at the news, he was throwing the football again in mid September. He was running late September. And you had Jerry Jones. Famous doctor Jerry Jones will come out to the press and say, "Romo's way ahead of schedule. Everything looks great. We expect him back sooner than anticipated." And now, all of a sudden, he's not a hundred percent, and they're not even going to think about clearing him until he's a hundred percent.
1: Oh yeah, you know, hey man, thinking look. emoji. <laughs> you know how it is. Hey, you, you sure you you, sure you okay? I don't think you're okay. Let's do some tests. You look like you might be limping a little bit. Let's just let's just hold off on 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 getting you ready to play just yet. And look, the thing of this is is they do have that luxury of taking it slow with Romo now. And so take advantage of that. The team is winning, they're doing well on offense with, with Dak under center. Mm-hmm. So if you, as long as you can, you want to prolong. Or, or 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 delay having to make the decision in the first place. Yeah. But but my thing is this: if you asked me before the season, should they put Romo back in once he's healthy? I'd have said yes. Yeah. Because I had no idea that Dak Prescott would look this good with this offense. But there's so many reasons why I wouldn't just arbitrarily do that anymore. First and foremost is this. Even if Romo gets healthy, what are the chances that he all of a sudden isn't healthy again? I could, because I'd say, based on his recent injury history, that's pretty high. Yeah. So you throw him right back in the game and then he gets hurt again and now you've had all this upheaval for nothing. Okay? So to me, that first and foremost will be in my mind, but also just Why disrupt what's working? Yeah. Okay. You don't have to say that Dak Prescott is your quarterback for now and the future. You can just say, well, he's playing well right now. We're winning. So let's just keep this going and we'll reevaluate it from week to week. And then that's what you do because there's no reason to fix something that ain't broke. There really isn't. Yeah. But I, I understand, you know, people, I see people saying stuff like, they owe it to Romo this, that, and the fourth. And look, I've been a veteran. I understand that sentiment. But at the end of the day, this is the NFL. Okay, they don't owe players shit. They, they, there's plenty of guys that have found themselves in situations where they, they, you know, did everything they were supposed to do right, get injured, and then they get wildly pipped. Yeah. You know, you get hurt. Somebody else plays better, and all of a sudden they forget about you. Um, so it happens. That's just how it works. Um, but, you know, it's not like they're winning these games in spite of Dak Prescott. Yeah. Or that he's just being a game manager. He's making plays to help them to win these games. Yeah. Plays that at this point in his career, I'm not all that sure that Romo would even be making. Just yeah. Just because Dak is taking some hits now. I'm not sure that Romo can take those kind of hits anymore. I'm definitely not sure that he can run with the football anymore. No way. At, uh, With the kind of, you know, Dak isn't running a lot, but when he is, he's taking some hits. At, you know, to make sure that the team gets a first down or gets in the end zone. And I just don't know that Romo can do those things right now. So, look, if 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 Dak hits uh, uh, the rookie wall or something, or if he starts faltering then you go ahead and throw Romo in there. But I just don't see some kind of pressing need to replace him with Romo right now when you know Romo's injury history, when everything's going well on offense so far, when there's no actual deficit, like there's nothing – all that must to be gained from putting Romo in the game right now anyway.
0: Yeah. No, and it's – you know, I, I think too it's interesting and I don't like to get into like speculation about what's going on in the locker room and stuff. But like you – I mean like and Thomas was down there a couple of weeks ago in Dallas and you've heard this in other places too. But like, you know, there's – that team is really like rallied to him. And I think like even you look at Jason Garrett and like, you know, his coaching approach over the years and like suddenly it looks – you know, I know people have questioned Garrett a lot in the past, but it all kind of looks like, you know, a little bit of a different team now. You know what I mean? It, 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 there's, it, there's, just something different about this Cowboys, and I think, you know, there's a there's something to be said for the way that they you know, a lot of that team has kind of rallied behind him. You know, behind the scenes like that, and and you have two guys, him, Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, the running back. Who's just on fire himself, and uh, it, man, it's it makes it's making for something interesting there. I'll say that a new era. Well, you look
1: at it like this: you know, Tony Romo has done a lot of great things as the Cowboys' quarterback. Yeah, but what has been the one thing that basically has drove driven Cowboys fans nuts about this guy over the years? It's the the untimely turnovers, right? The, the throwing the, just the dumbass interceptions at the worst time possible well you got Dak Prescott who's only thrown one interception and that came late in the game last week sets so uh, a, a record for most passes to start a career without an interception mm-hmm. so that's been one of those big things and one of the big keys uh, understated key to why the Cowboys have been winning because they haven't been turning the football over, at least their quarterback hasn't. And so when you take away, we talked about this before, uh, I think it might have been last week when we was talking about the point differential uh, not really being much of a factor as far as wins and losses this year. But one thing that has still kind of held up is the turnover margin. Yeah. When you don't turn the football over and the other team does, that gives you a great chance to win every week. Yeah. So maybe Dak isn't making this spectacular play where he, you know, uh, avoids three defenders and spins around and chunks it down the field to uh, Des Brown, who actually isn't playing right now anyway. That's fine. But what he's doing is taking care of the football and still being aggressive when it's called for. So I think that's kind of the understated thing that people aren't talking about enough is that, Dak Prescott is taking care of the football, whereas if there's been an Achilles heel of the Cowboys with Romo under center, it's been those turnovers. Those, you know, not just he's throwing up, you know, four or five turnovers a game. It's just the the untimely turnover late in the fourth quarter when they're about to, you know, mount a comeback, and then he just throws it right to the other team.
0: The gunslinging stuff. Yeah,
1: the gunslinging stuff. And so again, that's another reason why you got teammates, especially defensive teammates. The one thing we hate is sudden change. Yeah. I promise you. We love <laughs> quarterbacks who take care of the football, defensive guys. Do. Even if they don't score, it, as long as you're moving the chains and as long as you're not throwing turnovers and putting us in bad positions, then we we love you to death. Yeah. So that is another reason probably why the locker room is rallying around him because he's been – so low key, he's yeah. not, a, you know, a look at me guy, and he's taking care of the football.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's been impressive to watch, and like you can see, he's gotten better. I mean, as the weeks have gone on too, which is always a good thing to see from, you know, the guy that you've kind of anointed as your future franchise quarterback, like that too, and and he's done it without Des Bryant the last three weeks <laughs> too.
1: Right, and, and you can't even overstate that because. When you take Dez Bryant away, everything else becomes harder. Because mm-hmm. Dez Bryant just attracts so much more attention. And now he's, he's having to rely on guys like Terrence Williams, who seems to be the dumbest football player, one of the dumbest football players I've ever seen. Not talking about book smart, but I'm talking about football smart. <laughs> yeah, Just doesn't know when to get out of bounds. This dumb shit. And, and he's having to rely on him to be like, you know, one of his main targets. And they're still winning. He's still finding a way to be successful. So, again, you, you can't overstate enough that he's doing this kind of stuff and he hasn't even had Dez Bryant for a few weeks.
0: Yeah. It's uh, pretty amazing because, like, that's the kind of receiver that's usually like, you know, I mean, that's a guy that could be the rookie's best friend because you, you catch just damn near about anything you throw in his general direction. And that's a – Pretty nice thing to have. Ask Andy Dalton about that with A.J. Green.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, just a great security blanket. And not just, you know, a a possession-type receiver, but a guy who also, if you need a big play, you can just throw it in the vicinity, and he can make big plays for you. A guy who you can throw a a little simple quick slant to, and he can take it to the house, and it makes you look great. looks like, you know, he he takes a little five-yard slant and takes it 50 yards down the field for a touchdown. Well, you know, on your stat sheet, it just sold 50 yards and pass, right? Yeah. But he doesn't have that, and he's still thriving. So, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I've just been greatly impressed with Dak Prescott, as much for his poise as anything else. And I just don't see a way that they can actually justify, unless he falters, unless he the team loses, yeah. unless he just has a terrible game, how they can justify just throwing Romo back in the mix for no good reason.
0: Yeah. And well, I tell you what, I am ex- I am not looking forward to that. But I, I, if that does happen, if he does have a bad game and the Cowboys lose, uh, Cowboys Twitter going to be an interesting place that Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> a house divided against itself, kind of thing. Woo! <laughs> um all right this kind of like the issue du jour for the nfl and rightfully so because they seem to have really fucked this one up not a fun thing to discuss but it's kind of a big deal since the nfl came out in 2014 after the ray rice thing and made all this pr moves and hired all these big time people and vice presidents to handle domestic violence and now we got Josh Brown, who served a one-game suspension, is still on the Giants' roster, and uh, you had his head coach come out today and, and basically reiterate what the Giants have been saying all along. We're going to stick by this guy. We're, gonna, we're here for Josh Brown, and we're going to let the team know that, uh, that we're here for Josh Brown. And how in the fuck do you reconcile this NFL, John Mara? Uh, I got no idea. Uh,
1: I, the thing there are several things that there's just totally fucked up about this situation. but one of the most puzzling things to me has been the head coach saying they're gonna stand by uh Josh Brown they're going to we're not it's some the the statement of the day was something like we're not going to turn our backs on him. yeah, what the fuck are you talking about dude? This motherfucker isn't, you know, he isn't going through some kind of goddamn tragedy. He he he's not on drugs or something. You need to stand by him. His his mother didn't die. He yeah. didn't get diagnosed with fucking cancer. He 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 assaulted his wife. Yeah. What in the fuck is there to stand behind? Multiple times. Like if she said at least twenty. Yeah. And not only that. He got drunk and was so belligerent and was threatening his wife that at the fucking Pro Bowl, NFL security, not some random uh, Hawaii police officer, NFL security had to go and get his wife and kids and move them to a room so he didn't know where they were. Yeah. But you're standing behind this motherfucker for what? Yeah. What? What are you standing beside him? Well, you know he's a teammate. Who gives a shit?
0: Yeah, I know. It's
1: at, at some point you have to say, "Well, we thought he was a good guy for whatever reason. I don't know why they thought he was a good guy and and signed him this offseason after all this bullshit." But they yeah, did signed him,
0: knowing this shit,
1: knowing this shit. But you cut fucking ties. We made a mistake. That's the pro- appropriate response here is to say we made a mistake. We're moving on. Yeah. Okay, let's look let's look for a second at what happened with Johnny Manziel and Hugh Jackson after he became coach with the Browns.
0: Yeah.
1: Didn't say no bullshit about let's stand behind Johnny Manziel. Mm-mm. They cut that motherfucker. Yeah. Expeditiously. Justifiably when, so. When they when the stuff came out about him, you know putting his hands on his girlfriend. Now they had stuff behind him with the drug stuff, but when that story came out about him assaulting his girlfriend, Johnny Manziel's ass was unemployed all of a sudden. Yeah. So I'm trying to understand the justification or or just the rationalization of we're going to stand behind a fucking domestic abuser. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. And then this is the same people who said the organization now they said, oh, well, we have to make a, 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 a take a stand here. We won't tolerate this. This was in 2014.
0: Yeah, we that got was the owner sometimes. after the Rice thing.
1: John Mara. And then you go on the radio yesterday. Why? I don't know. Because sometimes silence is golden. Yeah. Sometimes you are fucked up so bad that maybe you don't open your mouth and fuck up even worse. Yeah. But he decided, hey, I'm going to go out and make this shit worse. He goes on radio yesterday and say, oh, well, yeah, he told us he abused his wife, but we weren't sure to what extent. Motherfucker, what extent? Yeah. What extent? Like, show me the sliding scale here for domestic violence. I'd really like to know. Yeah. This, are you trying to categorize this like drug use? Well, you know, your first offense, you get this. Or are you are you really trying to tell me that okay, well, if he just slapped her, we'd have gave her. He, we'd have gave him this punishment. But if he beat her up, we. What, what the fuck does that mean? To what extent? And yeah. it was a lie anyway. It was obviously a lie anyway because they did have uh, access to everything they needed to know to know that this wasn't a one-off. That yeah. this wasn't some isolated incident in the first fucking place. No, they didn't have the journal, but they had his wife's word telling telling the police officers that this has happened over 20 times. They already had access to that. So what they're really saying is, we need more than his wife telling us what he did to her. And that's what's the most fucked up part of this whole situation. Yeah, Because once again, it's not enough for a woman to go to the cops and report abuse for the league or the team and or the team to take action. They still feel like and and the the owner even alluded to this initially when, when when word of the one game suspension came down. Oh, there's no video. That should not be the fucking litmus yeah. test. It just can't be.
0: Yeah, and you're it, it, saying
1: that his wife's word isn't enough for you to do more than than a one game suspension, which, which doesn't even follow your own domestic violence policy, which yeah. says
0: six games. Yeah, so I'm, just, I'm six just games regardless up. of the incident, not fucking the the degrees of it or anything like that. If it's domestic violence, it's six games.
1: That's supposedly
0: allegedly. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. But they but they're more stringent
1: with you know enforcing rules about dancing after a fucking touchdown. Well,
0: yeah, and, and that's what. Um, I'm,
1: and shoes, then they are some shit like this.
0: And that's the flabbergasting. The, the Gi- you put those words that the Giants coaches and the owner came out and said about Josh Brown this last week. Just this last week. I mean, don't even go back to the stuff in August or before that they've said about Josh Brown. But, like, take the words that they said this week about Josh Brown and the words they've said these last two weeks about Odell Beckham. It's like... Now, that's some fucked up priorities. They're worried about Odell Beckham's dancing and being a distraction, but they're standing by Josh Brown, a serial domestic abuser. <laughs> I just... It's it's fucking flabbergasting. And the NFL looks like shit, too, because here we are, you know, coming off the stupid deflate gate story that was a four-game suspension, mostly because... They didn't respect Goodell's authority and wouldn't hand over the fucking Tom Brady cell phone, more so than the footballs themselves. But it's just like the NFL looks just – they just can't help but trip over their own feet and fall flat on their face even when they come out two years after they say that they've come out and they've got, oh, we've got all this stuff taken care of now. Nope. It's it's a bad look, and a year if the NFL, you better fucking get get it fixed asap. Because here you are in the midst of what's been the big story this year: TV ratings. Mm-hmm. You cannot afford now. Whether that whatever's the cause of the TV ratings decline, and I think there's probably a lot of reasons for that. Whatever's caused the TV ratings decline, you can't be fumbling this football when your ratings are for your primetime games are down 20 percent. Year over year, because that's uh, people are going to notice. And I don't know. Wanna... Go ahead.
1: I just uh, I'm 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 livid. I'm livid for the message that is if sends to women, not just the f- women who are fans of the game, and there are many of them. Yeah? many of them that they're driving away with this bullshit. But just women in general, they, they, just the message that they send sends is fucking mind-boggling. Like, seriously, how can you... And this is supposedly the classy franchise, right? Yeah. The, the, the Giants. They're they're the model for other teams. Them and the Steelers. They're where other teams aspire to be. Why are you doing all this shit over a fucking kicker in the first place?
0: Yeah. Like,
1: I'm not saying that it would be right if it was M- Eli Manning or... Or if it was some superstar on the team. Yeah. But 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 why Josh Brown? Why are you... What the fuck is going on in your head that you are, you know, we're not going to turn our backs on a domestic abuser? Like, I'm trying to understand the mentality. I'm trying to understand how that makes sense in your head that, you know, a guy who beat his wife deserves to be... Uh, deserves support. Yeah. deserves to be stood behind in the first fucking place. Yeah. Because, you know, mostly that guy probably just deserves jail time, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. But, but okay, he, he, he skated on that because his wife didn't want to press charges. But that doesn't mean, okay, he skated on charges, but you know he did all these things by his own admission now. Yeah. And he's still on the team as of right now, as far as I know. He's still a New York Giants. Uh player,
0: yeah,
1: and they they got another kicker because he didn't make the trip to London, but it looks like what they're gonna end up doing is cutting another player who, as far as we know, hadn't beaten their wife or significant other, yeah, in order to keep Josh Brown on the roster,
0: yeah,
1: which is even more amazing to me i just I don't understand how you can get this this wrong,
0: yeah,
1: right, I really don't, especially after the 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 ray rice and the greg hardy situation yeah we're two years removed from this and this could arguably you can argue that what the giants are doing is even worse
0: yeah because they've
1: had those situations as learning experiences and it doesn't seem like they've learned a damn thing
0: no not at all not at all the giants or the nfl and it's just it's just irreconcilable the way they've handled this thing. It's it's a joke and it's an embarrassment and the league should be ashamed of itself.
1: And I'm and I'm going to clarify something cuz I keep talking about the Giants. Giants. This is obviously on the league as well oh, because yeah. it's league policy. It's not team policy. Yeah. But my thing is, you know, I'm not excusing the league at all here. He at least should be suspended 6 games from the get-go if he's suspended 6 games from the get-go. Maybe we aren't even here. Maybe the investigation is over with. Maybe nobody's even clamoring for anything else. So the elite, uh, you know, definitely screwed up in this situation, too, and continues to. Yeah. You know, their bullshit, they tried, excuse me, to call out the sheriff department and the sheriff department.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, on sheriff their- wasn't taking that shit was he
1: yeah exactly <laughs> and, and, and points out that they didn't even acknowledge who they were trying to get this information they didn't never try to call him or get in- information directly from him Mm-mm. so they, they basically didn't even try to investigate but they trying to pass the buck to somebody else of course but the reason why it's so hard on the giants is because they don't have to wait for the league no. to act he could be suspended or not suspended on somebody else's team or unemployed. Yeah. Like I said, it goes back. The Johnny Menzel situation, I'm not sure that that, that has even gone through the NFL discipline so far. I'm not sure that they have, have even finished their case, but I do know his ass ain't got a job. Yeah. Because the Browns fired him. And and, and it's funny because you know, look at look at look at the contrast. Nobody wants to be the Browns, right? Nobody says that the Browns are a model franchise, but in this situation, they absolutely absolutely are a much better role model than the giants
0: yeah yep absolutely it's uh. It's a spectacle to behold, and I—I I guarantee you, we have not heard the end of this story either. Uh, there's there is a lot left to go, so we will uh, we'll see what happens uh, going forward. But it's going to be hard for the league to put the the genie back in the bottle when they fucked it up this bad already. But uh, at any rate, Stephen, we should I wrap it up here and uh, and uh, get on with some week seven, and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll do this again next week. Does that sound good?
1: That sounds awesome. All you right.
0: A-